Good morning, everyone. Today is the 15th of June, and I have with me remotely Nathan Sweeney, Sheldon MacDonald, and Seamus Lyons. It was a risk off week last week, and Nathan, that seemed to be largely led by comments from the US Federal Reserve. Yeah, so if we look back on the week, we had a Fed meeting on Wednesday, and then we had comments post that meeting from Jerome Powell. And if we think about what Powell was saying post that meeting, I suppose there was an expectation on the path of the recovery. So we saw unemployment data the week before surprising on the upside. So people becoming quite upbeat on the recovery. But Powell's statement didn't really match this. He wasn't as upbeat about the recovery, said it's going to take longer, said we need to keep rates lower for longer. And I suppose this really kind of spooked the market because the market was getting quite excited about this V-shaped recovery. Uh, so you saw the S&P was off over 4% on the week. And in a continuation of the COVID-19 theme in terms of how it impacts sectors, we saw those sectors sell off aggressively, like energy off 11%, financials off 9 industrials were off, and you know tech providing the best performance on the week, as we've seen throughout this crisis. Exact reversal of recent weeks. You mentioned COVID. We've seen an increase in cases in states like Florida and the Southwest. Is this the much-dreaded second wave, do you think? Yeah, so on that, I think and that's another reason why the market was selling off, because we have seen a pickup in cases and, you know, people are calling it a second wave. But, you know, really it's a continuation of the first wave, because if we look at the states where these pickup in cases is happening, it's in the states that are kind of sparsely populated that never really had lockdown measures implemented to the same extent as other states which had aggressive lockdown measures in place. So we think of uh, areas like Texas, as an example, North Carolina, where you've seen cases cases kind of doubling almost over the course of the last couple of days. This hasn't really led to a spike in deaths as of yet. There is a lag effect, but people will be watching this closely. Obviously, the number of cases is far lower than, you know, cases you would see in the more populous states, but still nonetheless something that the market is concerned about and will focus on in case this leads to something bigger, which could lead to obviously lockdown measures being implemented again. But I think that's uh, further down the road if that was to happen. Okay, thanks for that. Um, Sheldon, we had some quite surprising forecasts from the OECD, surprisingly bad. And it's the UK in particular seems to have been very badly hit by lockdown. We had some GDP figures in the week, didn't we? Yes, Lorna. Just to remind listeners, during the course of last week, we saw the OECD come out and say that the UK would be the worst hit amongst the advanced economies. And true to form, that was what we've seen when the GDP numbers were released from the UK last week. In April alone, we saw a decline of 20% in GDP, and that's on top of the 5% decline that we saw in March. Now, just to put that into perspective, in the global financial crisis and in the Great Depression, the peak to trough decline in GDP in, in those crises was only 7%. Now, the reason why the UK has been so badly hit is partly due to the mix of services in the economy. Um, we saw accommodation and food services, they were down 90% in output terms construction itself, that was also down about 40%. So some very hard hit sectors in the UK economy. It's a dramatic blow to the economy, clearly. And how's that played out in the government bond market? Unsurprisingly, with a weaker economy and lower expectations for inflation, that's positive in the government bond territory. Also, government bonds playing their role as the safe haven asset. So government bonds were stronger around the world, really, in a risk-off week. The global aggregate index of bonds around the world, including investment-grade corporate bonds as well as sovereign bonds, that was up about 0.7%. That's in USD terms with a weaker sterling. That was up even higher in sterling terms. So sovereign bonds doing better, investment-grade corporates outpacing high-yield markets. 
Yes, if we turn to the high yield sector now, we have Seamus with us. Quite a poor week after some quite strong performances. Yes, indeed, Laura. Obviously, it was a bad week for risky assets, but and high yield included. But leading up to that, it had been quite a strong couple of weeks for high yield, where spreads had really tightened dramatically, and so it's not unsurprising. And there was a number of factors. Flows into the market have been very strong throughout most of May. In fact, so you had like five billion in last week, but leading up to that, you had forty-six billion that came into the high yield market from retail investors, which in the context of the market is quite a large amount. And I mean, you put it also the context of the February-March sell-off period where you had twenty-five billion of outflows in what it was a very difficult period. It just shows strong kind of a sentiment supporting the market, and that's one of the key factors which drove the strong returns you saw throughout most of May. But despite this, we've had default rates are clearly rising. Yes, default rates probably right now are about 6.5%, which is reasonably high and they're going to get higher. But typically the way it works is there's a kind of a lead lag effect where spreads will widen normally about six months or so in advance of the default cycle. So you know, investors notice default's going to come, so the spreads widen in anticipation of that. And then actually, as we kind of progress, spreads tighten and the defaults actually rise. So they're kind of almost moving off to directions at times, but defaults will continue to rise. But we think spreads actually might tighten further from here. So we've got more constructive in the asset class, despite a further pickup in defaults to occur. And this week, it seems to be very much the news will be led by the central banks. We have Mr. Powell from the Fed speaking again, don't we, Nathan? Uh, yes, Lorna. So on Tuesday at 10 o'clock, we have Jerome Powell providing testimony at a semi-annual Senate banking committee. So the question investors will be asking, is he going to spin a more positive or upbeat outlook for the economy? I think that's pretty difficult, given you've seen, obviously, an increasing cases in a couple of states in the US. So it'll be hard for him to do that. But on top of that, we do have retail sales figures out on Tuesday, you know, so any kind of positive surprise in data will be good for the market because, you know, the market seems to be in profit taking mode at the moment, given you've had such a large and quick rally in markets. So you're going to need some positive data surprises to be a positive catalyst for markets from here. And we have a Bank of England meeting as well, Sheldon. What expectations for that? Yes, the BOE meets on Thursday. I think our expectations are for an increase in QE, maybe about 100 billion uh, sterling's worth. There is some talk about the potential for moving rates into negative territory. We think it's probably a little premature. We think that's a move that they might keep in their back pocket for later in the year. Having said that, though, we think that just the signaling of the potential for negative rates later in the year might itself do the trick and really just give the market pause for thought just to think about where we're going from here. Of course, the other big events in the next week or two all focus around Brexit. So remember, the deadline for having a deal in place was supposed to be the end of this month. A rising clamour, I guess, for the governments to perhaps look to postpone that and not rush into something. On the other hand, we've got the UK government and Boris in particular really trying to focus on getting this over the line by then. So a difficult period, I think, in terms of negotiating, a difficult period for markets, some unease and uncertainty around what outcomes we might see. Yes, there's talk of intensified talks for the next two weeks, and that's certainly what we can expect from Brexit. Just to refer our listeners to our panel podcast we made last week, it was called Racing the Recovery, and that we were considering then how markets seem to be getting ahead of economic data or macro data. So that could be worth a listen. That's all on on all our usual channels. Thank you all very much. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Lorna.